0: hello this is spectral skull session are we reaching you
1: hey who is this my name is is this some kind of a joke? Are you trying to scare us? You are listening to the Spectral Skull Session. Tales from the Twilight world of myth, mystery, and imagination. The idea behind this podcast is that we explore claims about the occult, supernatural, and paranormal from an analytical standpoint. We're open to the existence of a world beyond the five senses, and we dismiss that dogmatic skepticism that insists that any story about the unexplained has to reduce to hallucinations or swamp gas. But we're not committed to any particular theory or philosophy about what the paranormal is, and we realize that, whatever is out there the answer is likely to be more complicated than any existing model or theory what we bring to the table is small s skepticism a skepticism that we throw as much on the mainstream accounts as we do on the supernatural story okay let's get started tonight's episode is on the chicago style mothman recent sightings of the mothman in chicagoland and beyond there has been a rash of sightings of winged, red-eyed flying creatures in Chicago in the Lake Michigan area this past decade. The creature is often described as a matching description of one that was widely reported between 1966 and 1967 in West Virginia. That creature is the famous Mothman. Tonight's show focuses on three questions. What is happening in the Chicago land area? Are people seeing the same creature that terrorized West Virginia from 1966 to 67? A creature that loved chasing cars, making prank phone calls, and identified itself as Indrid Cold? If it is the same creature, then how concerned should America be?
0: And I have some things to say about how we might figure out whether it is or isn't the Mothman. There are certain tests that can be done, which would reveal whether this is the Mothman or a completely different creature. We should probably get started by talking about uh, what is happening in Chicago.
1: People are seeing mysterious creatures in and around Chicago. Not friendly creatures, but horrifying creatures. Lon Strickland has a website dedicated to keeping track of paranormal phenomena. He has documented over 130 sightings of winged creatures, often with red eyes, around Chicago in the Lake Michigan area on his website, Phantoms and Monsters, Pulse of the Paranormal. You know, Dane, as I was looking at these accounts, I was struck by some uh, commonalities between many of them. So first of all, uh, these people don't always identify, and actually rarely identify this as the Mothman, right? I've heard this call uh, this creature called the Chicago Owl Man, uh, described as a giant human-like owl creature flying through the skies of Chicago. Oftentimes, it is also described as being a bat-like creature uh, flying through the skies. And I think if it's dark at night, it's just like a person with wings, basically, or a creature that is the size, or roughly the size of a human with wings around six feet tall uh and the eyes are often depicted as being a glowing red although in other accounts i've read they're reflective in nature uh, oftentimes reflecting like the moonlight or surrounding lights and one particularly interesting account that i read uh the witnesses saw the creature jump off of the wilson tower which is a skyscraper almost like a human jumping off of it and then it spread its wings and it flew away so some pretty wild stuff here.
0: Well, that all sounds like it might be the Mothman, actually. I mean, sometimes he looks more like a bat. It depends on how far away you are. It depends on who's looking. We also found a number of reports on MUFON's website. That is the Mutual UFO Network. They've been filing and investigating reports of unidentified aerial phenomenon since 1969. One MUFON report describes what looked like Wiggling stars over Polo, Illinois, in August 2016. Another describes a winged flying creature like an owl over Chicago in 2017. And another describes a giant bird over Bellwood, Illinois, in August 2020.
1: Yeah, and actually, uh, I want to share this report with you. One Mufon report describes a flying creature over Wilmington, Illinois, on January 28th, 2018. Uh, let me. Read this for you. I was sitting on the side steps outside of my home having a smoke at exactly 4:36 a.m. The night sky is so incredible when it's clear from my view, so I was essentially just admiring its beauty. I noticed about five stars I had never seen before that seemed to have an orb-like motion and carry a bright white center, but a bright purple, green, and slightly red aura around the star-like phenomena. The red was a very minor glimmer as opposed to the other shimmering colors. The problem with the idea of the star-looking lights moving as I saw them was that I felt like I was suffering from sort of vision impairment. I felt like everything I was looking at became blurry and I, I was not any sort of fatigued nor under the influence for my vision to have appeared in this way. When suddenly my eyes locked onto this huge grayish dark brown bat slash owl, slash reptile looking hybrid, completely silent and gliding unnaturally fast over my home. I don't really know where he came from or how my eyes locked onto this thing, especially in such a dark setting. I lost sight when he silently glided over my home out of sight, but I swear he landed on my roof. I am not 100% sure of this. This strange creature had a seemingly large set of wings And I don't doubt if they were spread, the span would be incredible, but it seemed to have its wings folded in a triangle style form, which led the entire creature to resemble the world's largest, most terrifying moth. I suddenly felt a sense of dread, vulnerability, and impending doom, and I felt like I was being hovered over and watched like an animal stalks its prey. I don't scare easy, and I live for the paranormal but it's now 4.18 p.m. and I am still feeling the same sense of fear and dread as I did in that moment and I don't know how to tame this psychological issue. It was comparable to anxiety, but I ultimately felt like my life was about to end. I can't describe it any better. Before I was able to stand up, I heard a screech comparable to a bat, except it was a much lower tone and it definitely sounded much larger than any bat around here. I live in a small town surrounded by woods, so bats and animals of that sort cross my path often. This was nothing like it. What was strange is my hearing felt distorted while I heard the screeching. I felt like I could hear it right above me, yet sometimes it felt like it was muffled and unclear. It made me second-guess what I heard, This has been the most horrifying sighting I have ever witnessed so far, to be honest.
0: I think that's a great sighting, Chris, for a number of different reasons. Uh, One of which it starts off with uh, like an orb that's colorful. And that's a frequent something that's frequently seen in UFOs is that Mm -hmm. they initially appear as like a, a little orb thing and it changes colors. And then it resolves, and you even hear him say at the end, like it's like this thing never quite fully resolved auditorily. So he's hearing it like it's phasing in and out. So that's a that's a frequent thing reported by people who have highly credible UFO sightings, is that they seem to be like phasing in and out of our reality. Um, and then it transforms into this flying moth creature, and so that really makes you wonder uh, what is going on here. What do you think is going on here, Chris?
1: You know, Dane, uh, it could be a lot of different things. I've got some possibilities. Uh, So one, people could just simply be seeing birds, but they don't realize how close up or how far away they are. So it could be a depth perception issue. Um, You know, larger raptors, birds of prey, like the bald eagle, have recently proliferated in Illinois over... Uh, recent years due to conservation and reintroduction efforts. In fact, in the state of Illinois just earlier this week, I saw a bald eagle. It was pretty cool. Uh, this does happen to people who are on psychedelics. They get profoundly confused about matters of depth perception. Uh, someone could be really just high on marijuana, which is classed as a hallucinogen, although uh, I think personally some people might have debate with that. But people do often account for depth perception issues when they're incredibly high, even on that. Um, we could have some kind of a man on a jetpack situation that happened recently in L.A. And I don't know if you saw that uh, pretty, pretty interesting news story. Um, pi- pilots were landing at the LAX airport and they were like, uh, I, I think I see a guy in a jetpack Uh, And so someone was just jetpacking around up there in protected airspace. Uh, I don't believe they caught the person, but uh, if you have enough money, you can get a jetpack and fly, and maybe people are seeing some jetpacker around. Uh, And he could be cleverly disguising himself as a moth-like creature in order to make the sightings of him seem so incredible that no one will take those experiences seriously Or maybe he just doesn't want to, you know, get in trouble for flying his jetpack around the city, which you're not supposed to do, right? That's protected airspace, Uh, especially with uh, O'Hare Airport right there. It could be that people are having hallucinatory or visionary experiences of the Mothman because he's been getting more attention since 2002. The Mothman was first described by the book titled The Silver Bridge, which was published by UFO enthusiast, Gray Barker in the 1970s, and then another book, The Mothman Prophecies, by journalist John Keel in 1975, and then after those two books, there wasn't a whole lot of news about The Mothman until a major motion picture by that name featuring Richard Geard, which was released in 2002. Since The Mothman Prophecies, The Mothman has also been the subject of numerous documentaries in recent years, including Eyes of the Mothman in 2011, and the Mothman Point Pleasant, the Mothman Legacy, which was published in 2020. Finally, there's also a yearly festival in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, the Mothman Festival. Okay, so those are a lot of different good explanations, I think, for this, Um, you know, and then also I think that if we were to add uh, to that, you know, it could be the same cryptid who terrorized West Virginia. So we have to ask, has the Mothman returned? And ultimately, what is the Mothman? Is it a cryptid? Is it a creature? Is it some kind of spiritual entity that doesn't have actual physicality that people are experiencing? Um, And so there's a lot going on here. And, And again, we kind of return to this theory that we talk about on the show is that there's some kind of commonality or perhaps even singularity between these ideas where at some point as we approach these paranormal phenomenon we may in part or in whole be talking about the same thing and so the mothman right as people are experiencing it might be just another manifestation of some underlying supernatural phenomenon that presents differently as individuals are experiencing it right So there is a phenomenon that exists out in the world that is incomprehensible in a way. And so there's this meeting of the mind with that spiritual metaphysical supernatural phenomenon in which the gaps are kind of filled in and it manifests differently, whether that be a UFO, whether that be a demon, whether that be a skunk ape, right? Um, And that's another explanation for this as well.
0: Yeah, Chris, um, that's something that John Keel actually believed and I hope that someday we'll have a whole episode about John Keel um, So we can go into his theories because he had elaborate theories about what he called the ultra terrestrials, which he saw as being responsible for most paranormal events as well as like uh, For him he thought like a lot of religious epiphanies were due to the ultra terrestrials. So I want to talk a little bit more about the Mothman hypothesis. So this possibility that this creature that people are seeing in Chicago and in the greater Illinois area actually is the same phenomenon that John Keel witnessed in the Mothman prophecies. But in order to help the listeners judge this for themselves, I feel like I need to give a little bit of background about the Mothman as he was described by John Keel in that 1975 bestselling book, The Mothman Prophecies. Which Keel insists was a true story. There were actually dozens of encounters with strange creatures and phenomena in Keel's original books. All of these true reports, at least Keel insisted they were true, they were either culled from newspapers and then followed up on by John Keel, or else they were people that Keel interviewed directly. So they told these things to him um, one-on-one. People reported uh, a number of different kinds of encounters
1: i have to i have to interrupt you here dane to say the most important thing is to know if the sightings from chicago and illinois are matching the description of the mothman so what does the mothman look like
0: so in the mothman prophecies john keel describes a variety of different kinds of flying creatures that people saw so some people just saw large flying birds they said they looked like pterodactyls but those were people who saw it from a distance. Others who got closer reported sightings of a terrifying, aggressive, flying humanoid. They described it as having large red eyes, being seven to seven and a half foot tall, with a longer wingspan than it was tall. It often seemed to have no neck, but have its eyes set almost where you would expect the torso to be, um, if it were like a winged angel or a devil. That's precisely why people uh, did not describe it as a winged angel or a devil, but as a moth. So you'd expect the eyes to be on the head, right? But it doesn't have a head. The eyes are instead set down like at the top of the torso. It did have legs, feet, and claws though. Just didn't have a well-defined head. And a distinguishing feature of its movement is that when it spied on the ground, it walks awkwardly. Although it's not comfortable making use of its legs, but when it takes off from the ground, it rises straight up in the air without flapping its wings or making any noise. So it, like, levitates into the air, and then sometimes the wings flap as it flies horizontally. And it was fond of chasing cars, so it would chase people around West Virginia. Uh, when Keel showed up in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, which is where he focused uh, his reporting on the Mothman prophecies, um, the Mothman was just the most tantalizing thing that people were seeing. They were also reporting all this other stuff, orbs in the sky that changed shape and color, like in the sighting that you described earlier, Chris. Some of these orbs even responded to flashlight signals. So there's a scene in the Mothman Prophecies, now this is the book, um, which is the true story, that somebody attempted to signal one of these uh, flying orbs and they flashed it descend in Morse code on their flashlight. And then it did, in fact, descend, but then later flew off again. There was also a flying machine, shaped like a kerosene lamp, seen in broad daylight. It closed off a road, and it dislodged a grinning human named Colt, who used telepathy to question one person, a Woody Derenberger, who was a sewing machine salesman. And then uh, it later appeared repeatedly to uh, Woody Derenberger, over the course of several years. Uh, Another UFO was seen that resembled a traditional flying saucer, and it chased a blood mobile and actually tried to grab it with a metal claw. There was also poltergeist activity, so some people had strange noises on their phones or their phones ringing when they were disconnected or objects moving around their house. There were men in black who would show up after UFO sightings and sort of ask people questions. Uh, Plus terrifying communications between John Keel the reporter himself and unnamed entities They would often speak through intermediaries. Sometimes these entities would speak directly to him Um, They also sometimes spoke through uh, mail correspondence So sometimes he would get weird letters and on top of all that there were these prophecies of doom that John Keel received uh, mostly through the telephone conversations and these prophecies of doom's excuse me, Prophecies of Doom. He ascribed to the Mothman, and they included uh, the assassination of the pope by a man with a knife, which did not take place, although a man with a knife did try to kill the pope. Um, He claims that they also predicted the assassination of Martin Luther King, Jr., and that he attempted to warn Martin Luther King, Jr., wasn't able to get through to him, that the prophecy didn't come true but came true several months later and they predicted a catastrophe on December 15th, 1967. And they told John Keel that there was going to be a national blackout when the president lit the Christmas tree. So there's a, there was a white house Christmas tree. I think it was Gerald Ford was supposed to light the Christmas tree. And uh, John Keel actually hightailed it out to the woods with food and water to await sort of the end of the world. He thought, you know, this national blackout. The national blackout didn't come. When the president lit up the Christmas tree, nothing happened. John Keel felt profoundly disappointed. And then the radio broadcast that he was listening to was interrupted. And he was told that the Point Pleasant, West Virginia, Silver Bridge, this was the bridge that, the citizens of the town would use to get from West Virginia to Ohio, it had just collapsed. And it was uh, covered with uh, Christmas shoppers, people coming back from Christmas shopping. It actually killed 46 people.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah, this is. there's a lot going on here. It's a little disturbing. Uh, as we're talking about these sightings in Chicago, I can only help but wonder, you know, do we... Pretend some doom. I mean, on all the accounts I'm, I read, just seeing this creature, I'm not hearing anything. Uh, but I will say that in the state of Illinois, Chicago has been the epicenter of the COVID outbreak. Food for thought.
0: So, yeah, maybe that's an omen. Maybe it's been an omen of COVID?
1: Who knows?
0: Well, we can't get into the details here. But uh, we should do a whole other episode on John Keel and his paranormal investigations. The point that I want to make here, John Keel describes the entire Ohio River Valley, 1966-67, to as having been a hotbed of a wide range of paranormal activity. And it's an example of what paranormal investigators call high strangeness.
1: High strangeness?
0: High strangeness, Chris. It's where there's two or more clusters of different categories of paranormal phenomenon observed close together in time and space. So a UFO flap taking place at the same time as Bigfoot sightings. Or people seeing giant wolves at the same ranch where there's poltergeist activity and voices coming out of the sky, along with cattle mutilations and monster sightings.
1: We've touched on this in the show, but why don't people talk about this more
0: actually a good cultural example of high strangeness can be found in Shakespeare's Julius Caesar scene 3 Act 1 so there's a brutal storm and then in the avenues around evening time Publius Servilius Casca meets with Cicero one of the Roman speakers and Casca claims to have seen unusual things in Rome that night he describes Uh, An unharmed left hand that was burning. He describes fire falling from the skies. He also saw a lion in the street, so in the city, during the day. He describes a hooting owl during the day. There's this general sense uh, that a combination of like rare and impossible, unnatural things are all happening together. And I'd say that's high strangeness. Also in the Spielberg film, Close Encounters of the Third Guy, that film has poltergeist activity aliens mass clairvoyance and black helicopters it's purely fictional but you get the sense from shakespeare and spielberg that we kind of have a place in our mind already we have this idea that um you know there's a time and a place for things to go totally haywire and that is high strangeness
1: yeah you know sometimes the stars align just right and true chaos is let loose on the world you know uh it seems that there's that kind of constant balance between entropy or chaos and order and we're kind of ultimately vacillating between those two things and also as the kind of stars as things change and align just the right we we kind of see uh cycles right and so, um, if we were to think about, you know, as you've talked about, Dane, in the late '60s and early '70s, we're kind of cycling into this period of you kind know, of high psychic energy in the world. Lots of things happening. Even as we talk about John Keel, I think that this really is in this category. And I also think that we're kind of experiencing this again. Um, if we we think about like art, the late great Art Bell. I mean, just the best godfather of this genre of uh, documentarian uh, entertaining news program, right? Uh, he talked about the quickening, right? He was speaking to this kind of uh, cyclical nature of this and how we were building up to something. And with all these phenomenon that are going on now, I can't help but think that perhaps we're living in, in this time, right? We're in this time of I don't know if I'd call it chaos, but of high psychic energy. But how does that specifically connect back to the Mothman?
0: That's just it. So the Mothman is the most horrifying creature at the center of high strangeness. So he seems to the, be the peak of it all, the strangest of the strange. All these other phenomena. They're almost traveling in his wake. The orbs, the spacemen, the phone calls from disembodied voices, men in black, poltergeists. They're the pre-show and the after party. But Mothman is the main attraction. In fact, in one of the sightings Kiel describes, the Mothman's arrival on the scene is presaged by a breakdown in a family's TV set. So their TV goes weird, starts making all these loud whining sounds. Then the dog outside starts barking his head off. They go outside and boom, there's the Mothman. And then the dog disappears and is never seen again. So the point of this is to say, um, I guess if Chicago is having genuine Mothman sightings, I'd expect the rest of this craziness that John Keel describes in the Mothman prophecies to also be taking place in Chicago too. So if you think it's the Mothman in Chicago or anyone out there who thinks it is, uh, should be looking for all this other stuff. The stuff that accompanies the Mothman. Oh, and I have another concern. This is my other. I have a test. There's something we should be looking for in particular Mothman sightings. And it's also something that makes the Mothman sightings higher standard of quality in the world than other cryptid encounters. And it's that there were trace effects. So people who had close encounters with the Mothman would later suffer visible burns on their face and they'd have symptoms indicative of what's called Klieg conjunctivitis. So it's a kind of conjunctivitis that people more often get from being exposed to radiation, especially Klieg lights. So people who really run into the Mothman, at least close enough to see the eyes, frequently develop burns. If Mothman were running around Chicago or the greater Illinois area, you know, experiencers should eventually start showing up who have these burns on their faces and their eyes.
1: Yeah, so we might ask people to help us follow up on this. Evidence of high strangeness in the Chicagoland area would definitely support the Mothman hypothesis. Also, reports of people suffering from burns after having close encounters with the Mothman and or uh, conjunctivitis, but again, that would be non-bacterial conjunctivitis, so not the kind of pink eye that someone might get from uh contaminating contaminating their eye with fecal matter for instance this is this is separate right
0: that's right yeah no it's it's um i don't know that the symptoms are all that different but it's not caused by no yeah infection. yeah they're
1: they're not different and of course uh antibiotics that people put in their eyes wouldn't clear up this kind of eye irritation right you, so
0: yeah, I think you just use an ice pack or just take it easy. Mm-hmm. So um, somebody else mentioned this. This isn't—I'm not the first person to notice this, although I wish I were. But uh, in the movie *Close Encounters of the Third Kind*, at the very end of the film, uh, they're all getting on board that giant spaceship. So they—they they send some humans to go, you know, live with the aliens, and uh, they all distribute sunglasses. So everybody who's uh, going on board the ship to leave the human race and live with the aliens wears these big dark sunglasses and uh, I don't know some evidence that Spielberg may have been reading the Mothman prophecies or at least have been more familiar with his UFO close encounters than uh, People gave him credit for Hmm So we want to see people with these birds so we need to pay attention to this in Chicago and greater Illinois and if people aren't, resp- aren't suffering these burns, then I think that's a reason to be suspicious. Maybe what they're encountering isn't the Mothman, but it's something else entirely.
1: Yeah. Um, I guess the next question I would ask is, how concerned should the people of Chicago be about this creature?
0: Well, no one who encounters the Mothman has a good time of it. It's terrifying, disorienting, and it burns you.
1: Yeah, like a bad STI. All right. Well, well, this creature or creatures in Chicago haven't hurt anyone yet. In the original Mothman case, he ran off with someone's dog. Perhaps a larger issue is the question of whether the Mothman is a harbinger of doom.
0: I guess if Chicago sinks into Lake Michigan, then we'll have some pretty good evidence that this really is the Mothman. And if not, you know, I guess not. I And you mentioned earlier, Chris, the COVID. And I guess the thing about that is that COVID's everywhere. So, I mean, with you'd expect to see the Mothman everywhere if he were a harbinger of that particular crisis, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I know I'm, as we're recording this, and hopefully by the time, so as we're recording this, he presidential election has taken place we do not currently know who the president is um it's pretty neck and neck we're actually a day out right now but i know that one thing that major metropolitan areas including chicago have been bracing for are possible violent riots so who knows i mean oh yeah uh, we might we might have some correlation here i i certainly hope that there are no major violent incidents in Chicago, but if such were to take place or that could be it, it could be something entirely different, right?
0: Yeah, it's true that um, a lot of the prophecies John Keel got on his phone were prophecies about human-caused catastrophes, right? Mm -hmm. So the Pope being assassinated, Martin Luther King being assassinated, It's just that the Silver Bridge collapse wasn't. Although they didn't directly predict the Silver Bridge, right? So that was Mm -hmm. a miss. Uh, He thinks it was a misdirect. They told him there was going to be a power outage, and then it turned out that the Silver Bridge collapsed. And he was like, well, it's like they gave me half the prophecy, right, in order to misdirect Mm -hmm. me. So it's also possible, I guess, that the real disaster could be somewhere other than Chicago. But the Mothman shows up in Chicago in order to lead you in the wrong direction. That's a dark thought, too.
1: Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really seem that the Mothman is particularly benevolent. Um, What are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, John Keel, throughout his writings, because he's written several books on this, uh, really down on these things. So he thinks that, um, I mean, I don't want to go into it, really, because I want to do a whole episode on it later. But Mm -hmm. generally, he thinks they're messing with us. So it's about um they want to sort of fool us and they use their knowledge of things like faraway places or the future just to impress us and draw us into having a relationship with them but then Mm -hmm. when we have this relationship what they do is just scramble us so they scramble our lives and you know make distance us from other people by telling us crazy stories that nobody believes right they appear to us in ways that are so bizarre that most people don't take it seriously when we tell other people what happened, you know and they also just sort of um, It's almost traumatic for people to encounter these mm-hmm. things and it's traumatic in a way that isn't generally good so People don't generally have better lives because they're uh, encountering the Mothman or any of these creatures You know that the Mothman seems to present as
1: No, and I think that's interesting too. I um you know, as we look for that kind of undercurrent between other um, paranormal phenomenon in which people are encountering cre- creatures, right? So cryptids or aliens. And it seems that they're largely negative experiences. They, uh, even in positive accounts, they upend people's lives in such a way that are destructive to their lives and their interpersonal relationships. Now, in some cases, you know, we might see a, a transformation in the individual but only after such a destruction has taken place and so um yeah it begs the question i think that perhaps something more sinister is going on here perhaps that's just a natural byproduct of this these types of phenomenon yeah
0: and you know what a shaman would say about all this the shamans would say this is what happens when you you go on a walkabout and you don't have a guide. The, like, the mm-hmm. reason why people have these negative experiences is because there's nobody to help them mediate it, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I know, and I think that that's a good point too. And as we, in later episodes, we get into kind of the more esoteric spiritual practices. What we'll see is that oftentimes, as people are engaging in these things, they're doing, they're in, uh, part of the ritual ritualistic cleansing or protection to kind of avoid the negative experiences with negative entities as people are engaging in these types of encounters, right? So I think that point about a guide is a good one because it's just, you know, random people having random encounters like this, uh, if these beings are real, right? And we're supposing that for now then uh, invariably some of them are going to be bad if they have no experience, you know, they're going to fall into that. It might be much like, you know, Carl Sandburg's poem, Chicago, right? Where uh, the, the scape of the spiritual world is cunning and sharp and dark. And uh, it, while it can make people stronger, if they're unprepared for it, it might crush them.
0: I'm not familiar with that poem. I need to check that out. Oh, hey, I would like to plug something. Um, If you're interested in the topic of prophecies, predicting the future, well, we'll be doing a little intro to astrology next week. So Chris and I already have some theories about how astrology might be at least a little bit guided in reality. There might be elements to it that have uh, something true to say. And uh, I'll be looking forward to that. So tune in next week, everybody.
1: So perhaps, perhaps the poem Chicago by Carl Sandburg is apt for the way that we ought to think about encounters and existence within the spiritual realm. Hog butcher for the world, tool maker, stacker of wheat, player with railroads and the nation's freight handler, stormy. "'Husky, brawling, city of the big shoulders. "'They tell me you are wicked, and I believe them, "'for I have seen your painted women under the gas lamps, "'lowering the farm boys. "'And they tell me you are crooked, and I answer, yes.' It is true, I have seen the gunmen kill and go free to kill again, and they tell me you are brutal, and my reply is, on the faces of women and children, I have seen the marks of wanton hunger, and I have answered so, I turn once more to those who sneer at this my city, and I give them back the sneer, and say to them, Come and show me another city with lifted head singing so proud to be alive and coarse and strong and cunning, flinging magnetic curses amid the toil of piling job on job. Here is a tall, bold slugger set vivid against the little soft cities, fierce as a dog with tongue lapping for action, cunning as a savage pitted against the wilderness, bareheaded, shoveling, wrecking. Planning, building, breaking, rebuilding. Under the smoke, dust all over his mouth. Laughing with white teeth. Under the terrible burdens of destiny. Laughing as a young man laughs. Laughing even as an ignorant fighter laughs who has never lost a battle. Bragging and laughing that under his wrist is the pulse. And under his ribs the heart of the people. Laughing. Laughing the stormy, husky, brawling laughter of youth, half naked, sweating, proud to be hog butcher, tool maker, stacker of wheat, player with railroads, and freight handler to the nation. And what I see from this poem as we talk about the Mothman prophecies in Chicago and compare it to these interactions is that oftentimes the the kind of brutality or the disruption of these interactions, while it does have the consequence or the ability to have the consequence of destroying someone's life, the people that are able to move through it and draw strength from it do actually tend to come out as stronger individuals, perhaps stronger in a way that the rest of us those of us who have not had such spiritual encounters, those of us who are merely mortal can't hope to attain.
0: Got some excellent food for thought, Chris. Well, I guess that's the end of our episode for this week. So, signing off.
1: Signing off. Please stay strange and stay sane.